0: Section 28 The Fair Maid of Perth or St. Valentine's Day. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Fair Maid of Perth or St. Valentine's Day by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter 25 The Course of True Love Never Did Run Smooth. Shakespeare. The ominous anxiety of our armourer had not played him false. When the good glover parted with his intended son-in-law, after the judicial combat had been decided, he found what he indeed had expected, that his fair daughter was in no favourable disposition towards her lover. But, although he perceived that Catherine was cold, restrained, collected, had cast away the appearance of mortal passion and listened with a reserve implying contempt to the most splendid description he could give her of the combat in the skinners yards he was determined not to take the least notice of her altered manner but to speak of her marriage with his son henry as a thing which must of course take place At length, when she began, as on a former occasion, to intimate that her attachment to the armorer did not exceed the bounds of friendship, that she was resolved never to marry, that the pretended judicial combat was a mockery of the divine will, and of human laws, the Glover, not unnaturally, grew angry i cannot read thy thoughts wench nor can i pretend to guess under what wicked delusion it is that you kiss a declared lover suffer him to kiss you run to his house when a report is spread of his death and fling yourself into his arms when you find him alone alive all this shows very well in a girl prepared to obey her parents in a match sanctioned by her father but such tokens of intimacy bestowed on one whom a young woman cannot esteem, and is determined not to marry, are uncomely and unmaidenly. You have already been more bounteous of your favours to Henry Smith than your mother, whom God Aswazi ever was to me before I married her. I tell thee, Catherine, this trifling with the love of an honest man is what I neither can, will, nor ought to endure, I have given my consent to the match, and I insist it shall take place without delay, and that you receive Henry Wind to-morrow, as a man whose bride you are to be with all despatch. A power more potent than yours, father, will say no,' replied Catherine. "'I will risk it. My power is a lawful one, that of a father over a child, and an erring child,' answered her father. "'God and man allow of my influence.' "'Then may heaven help us,' said Catherine, "'for if you are obstinate in your purpose we are all lost.' "'We can expect no help from heaven,' said the Glover, "'when we act with indiscretion. "'I am clerk enough myself to know that, "'and that your causeless resistance to my will is sinful. "'Every priest will inform you. "'Aye, and more than that you have spoken degradingly "'of the blessed appeal to God in the combat of ordeal.' take heed for the holy church is awakened to watch her sheepfold and to extirpate heresy by fire and steel so much i warn thee of catherine uttered a suppressed exclamation and with difficulty compelling herself to assume an appearance of composure promised her father that if he would spare her any farther discussion of the subject till to-morrow morning she would then meet him determined to make a full discovery of her sentiments. With this promise, Simon Glover was obliged to remain contented, though extremely anxious, for the postponed explanation. It could not be levity or fickleness of character which induced his daughter to act with so much apparent inconsistency towards the man of his choice, and whom she had so lately unequivocally owned to be also the man of her own what external force there could exist of a kind powerful enough to change the resolutions she had so decidedly expressed within twenty-four hours was a matter of complete mystery but i will be as obstinate as she can be thought the glover and she shall either marry henry smith without farther delay or old simon glover will know an excellent reason to the contrary The subject was not renewed during the evening, but early on the next morning, just at sun-rising, Catherine knelt before the bed in which her parents still slumbered. Her heart sobbed as if it would burst, and her tears fell thick upon her father's face. The good old man awoke, looked up, crossed his child's forehead, and kissed her affectionately. "'I understand thee, Kate,' he said, "'thou art come to confession, and, I trust,' are desirous to escape a heavy penance by being sincere. Catherine was silent for an instant. I need not ask, my father, if you remember the Carthusian monk Clement, and his preachings and lessons, at which indeed you assisted so often, that you cannot be ignorant men called you one of his converts, and, with greater justice, termed me, so likewise?' i am aware of both said the old man raising himself on his elbow but i defy foul fame to show that i ever owned him in any heretical proposition though i loved to hear him talk of the corruptions of the church the misgovernment of the nobles and the wild ignorance of the poor proving as it seemed to me that the sole virtue of our commonwealth, its strength and its estimation lay among the burgher craft of the better class which i received as comfortable doctrine and creditable to the town and if he preached other than right doctrine wherefore did his superiors in the carthusian convent permit it if the shepherds turn a wolf in sheep's clothing into the flock They should not blame the sheep for being worried. They endured his preaching, nay, they encouraged it, said Catherine, while the vices of the laity, the contentions of the nobles, and the oppression of the poor were the subject of his censure, and they rejoiced in the crowds who, attracted to the Carthusian church, forsook those of the other convents. But the hypocrites, for such they are, joined with the other fraternities in accusing their preacher Clement, when, passing from censuring the crimes of the state, he began to display the pride, ignorance, and luxury of the churchmen themselves, their thirst of power, their usurpation over men's consciences, and their desire to augment their worldly wealth. "'For God's sake, Catherine,' said her father, "'speak within doors. "'Your voice rises in tone, and your speech in bitterness. "'Your eyes sparkle. "'It is owing to this zeal in what concerns you no more than others "'that malicious persons fix upon you the odious and dangerous name of a heretic.' "'You know I speak no more than what is truth,' said Catherine, "'and which you yourself have avouched often.' "'By needle and buckskin, no!' answered the glover hastily. Wouldst thou have me avouch what might cost me life and limb, land and goods? For a full commission hath been granted for taking and trying heretics, upon whom is laid the cause of all late tumults and miscarriages. Wherefore, few words are best, wench, I am ever of mind with the old maker. Since word is thrall and thought is free, keep well thy tongue, I counsel thee. "'The council comes too late, father,' answered Catherine, "'sinking down on a chair by her father's bedside. "'The words have been spoken and heard, "'and it is indicted against Simon Glover, Burgess and Perth, "'that he hath spoken irreverent discourses "'of the doctrines of Holy Church.' "'As I live by knife and needle,' interrupted Simon, "'it is a lie. "'I never was so silly as to speak of what I understood not.' and hath slandered the anointed of the church both regular and secular continued Catherine. nay i will never deny the truth said the glover an idle word i may have spoken at the ale bench or over a pottle pot of wine or in right sure company but else my tongue is not one to run my head into peril so you think my dearest father but your slightest language has been espied your best meaning phrases have been perverted and you are in detailles as a gross railer against church and churchmen and for holding discourse against them with loose and profligate persons such as the deceased oliver proudfoot the smith henry of the wind and others set forth as commending the doctrines of father clement whom they charge with seven rank heresies and seek for with staff and spear to try him to the death but that said catherine kneeling and looking upwards with the aspect of one of those beauteous saints whom the catholics have given to the fine arts that they shall never do he hath escaped from the net of the fowler and i thank heaven it was by my means thy means girl art thou mad said the amazed glover i will not deny what i glory in answered katherine it was by my means that conachar was led to come hither with a party of men and carry off the old man who is now far beyond the highland line thou my rash my unlucky child said the glover hast dared to aid the escape of one accused of heresy and to invite highlanders in arms to interfere with the administration of justice within alas thou hast offended both against the laws of the church and those of the realm what what would become of us were this known it is known my dear father said the maiden firmly known even to those who would be the most willing avengers of the deed this must be some idle notion Catherine, or some trick of those cogging priests and nuns it accords not with thy late cheerful willingness to wed henry smith alas dearest father remember the dismal surprise occasioned by his reported death and the joyful amazement at finding him alive and deem it not wonder if i permitted myself under your protection to say more than my reflection justified but then i knew not the worst and thought the danger exaggerated alas i was yesterday fearfully undeceived when the abbess herself came hither and with her the dominican they showed me the commission under the broad seal of scotland for inquiring into and punishing heresy they showed me your name and my own in a list of suspected persons and it was with tears real tears that the abbess conjured me to avert a dreadful fate by a speedy retreat into the cloister and that the monk pledged his word that you should not be molested if i complied The foul fiend take them both for weeping crocodiles, said the glover. Alas, replied Catherine, complaint or anger will little help us, but you see I have had real cause for this present alarm. Alarm? Call it utter ruin. Alas, my reckless child, where was your prudence when you ran headlong into such a snare? hear me father said Catherine. there is still one mode of safety held out it is one which i have often proposed and for which i have in vain supplicated your permission i understand you the convent said her father but Catherine, what abbess or prioress would dare that i will explain to you father and it will also show the circumstances which have made me seem unsteady of resolution to a degree which has brought censure upon me from yourself and others. Our confessor, old Father Francis, whom I chose from the Dominican convent at your command— I truly, interrupted the glover, and I so counseled and commanded thee, in order to take off the report that thy conscience was altogether under the direction of Father Clement— well this father francis has at different times urged and provoked me to converse on such matters as he judged i was likely to learn something of from the carthusian preacher heaven forgive my blindness i fell into the snare spoke freely and as he argued gently as one who would fain be convinced i even spoke warmly in defence of what i believed devoutly The confessor assumed not his real aspect, and betrayed not his secret purpose, until he had learned all that I had to tell him. It was then that he threatened me, with temporal punishment and with eternal condemnation. Had his threats reached me alone, I could have stood firm, for their cruelty on earth I could have endured, and their power beyond this life I have no belief in for heaven's sake said the glover who was well-nigh beside himself at perceiving at every new word the increasing extremity of his daughter's danger beware of blaspheming the holy church whose arms are as prompt to strike as her ears are sharp to hear to me said the maid of perth again looking up the terrors of the threatened denunciations would have been of little avail But when they spoke of involving thee, my father, in the charges against me, I own I trembled and desired to compromise. The abbess Martha, of Elko Nunnery, being my mother's kinswoman, I told her my distresses, and obtained her promise that she would receive me, if, renouncing worldly love and thoughts of wedlock, I would take the veil in her sisterhood she had conversation on the topic i doubt not with the dominican francis and both joined in singing the same song remain in the world said they and thy father and thou shall be brought to trial as heretics assume the veil and the errors of both shall be forgiven and cancelled they spoke not even of recantation of errors of doctrine all should be peace if i would but enter the convent i doubt not i doubt not said simon the old glover is thought rich and his wealth would follow his daughter to the convent of elco unless what the dominicans might claim as their own share so this was thy call to the vale these thy objections to henry Wind. indeed father the course was urged on all hands nor did my own mind recoil from it Sir John Ramorny threatened me with the powerful vengeance of the young prince if I continued to repel his wicked suit. And, as for poor Henry, it is but of late that I have discovered, to my own surprise, that, that I love his virtues more than I dislike his faults. Alas! the discovery has only been made to render my quitting the world more difficult than when I thought I had thee only to regret." she rested her head on her hand and wept bitterly all this is folly said the glover never was there an extremity so pinching but what a wise man might find counsel if he was daring enough to act upon it this has never been the land or the people over whom priests could rule in the name of rome without their usurpation being controlled If they are to punish each honest burgher who says the monks love gold, and that the lives of some of them cry shame upon the doctrines they teach, why, truly, Stephen Smotherwell will not lack employment. And if all foolish maidens are to be secluded from the world because they follow the erring doctrines of a popular preaching friar, they must enlarge the nunneries and receive their inmates on slighter composition." our privileges have been often defended against the pope himself by our good monarchs of yore and when he pretended to interfere with the temporal government of the kingdom there wanted not a scottish parliament who told him his duty in a letter that should have been written in letters of gold i have seen the epistle myself and though i could not read it the very sight of the seals of the right reverend prelates and noble and true barons which hung at it made my heart leap for joy thou shouldst not have kept this secret my child but it is no time to tax thee with thy fault go down get me some food i will mount instantly and go to our lord provost and have his advice and as i trust his protection and that of the other true-hearted scottish nobles who will not see a true man trodden down for an idle word alas my father said Catherine, it was even this impetuosity which i dreaded i knew if i made my plaint to you there would soon be fire and feud as if religion though sent to us by the father of peace were fit only to be the mother of discord and hence i could now even now give up the world and retire with my sorrow among the sisters of elcho would you but let me be the sacrifice only father comfort poor henry when we are parted for ever and do not do not let him think of me too harshly say catherine will never vex him more by her remonstrances but that she will never forget him in her prayers The girl hath a tongue that would make a Saracen weep, said her father, his own eyes sympathizing with those of his daughter. But I will not yield way to this combination between the nun and the priest to rob me of my only child. Away with you, girl, and let me don my clothes, and prepare yourself to obey me in what I may have to recommend for your safety. Get a few clothes together, and what valuables thou hast, also take the keys of my iron box which poor henry smith gave me and divide what gold you find into two portions put the one into a purse for thyself and the other into the quilted girdle which i made on purpose to wear on journeys thus both shall be provided in case fate should sunder us in which event god send the whirlwind may take the withered leaf and spare the green one let them make ready my horse instantly and the white jennet that i bought for thee but a day since hoping to see thee ride to st john's kirk with maids and matrons as blithe a bride as ever crossed the holy threshold but it skill's not talking away and remember that the saints help those who are willing to help themselves not a word in answer begone i say no wilfulness now the pilot in calm weather will let a sea-boy trifle with the rudder but by my soul when winds howl and waves arise he stands by the helm himself away no reply catherine left the room to execute as well as she might the commands of her father who, gentle in disposition and devotedly attached to his child, suffered her often, as it seemed to guide and rule both herself and him, yet who, as she knew, was wont to claim filial obedience and exercise parental authority with sufficient strictness when the occasion seemed to require an enforcement of domestic discipline while the fair catherine was engaged in executing her father's behest and the good old glover was hastily attiring himself as one who was about to take a journey a horse's tramp was heard in the narrow street the horseman was wrapped in his riding cloak having the cape of it drawn up as if to hide the under part of his face while his bonnet was pulled over his brows and a broad plume obscured his upper features he sprung from the saddle and dorothy had scarce time to reply to his inquiries that the glover was in his bedroom ere the stranger had ascended the stair and entered the sleeping apartment simon astonished and alarmed and disposed to see in this early visitant an apparitor or sumner come to attach him and his daughter was much relieved when as the stranger doffed the bonnet and threw the skirt of the mantle from his face he recognized the knightly provost of the fair city a visit from whom at any time was a favour of no ordinary degree but being made at such an hour had something marvellous and connected with the circumstances of the times even alarming sir patrick charteris said the glover this high honour done to your poor beadsman." hush said the knight there is no time for idle civilities i came hither because a man is in trying occasions his own safest page and i can remain no longer than to bid thee fly good glover since warrants are to be granted this day in council for the arrest of thy daughter and thee under charge of heresy and delay will cost you both your liberty for certain and perhaps your lives i have heard something of such a matter said the glover and was this instant setting forth to kinfounds to plead my innocence of this scandalous charge to ask your lordship's counsel and to implore your protection thy innocence friend simon will avail thee but little before prejudiced judges my advice is in one word to fly and wait for happier times as for my protection we must tarry till the tide turns ere it will in any sort avail thee. But if thou canst lie concealed for a few days or weeks, I have little doubt that the churchmen, who, by siding with the Duke of Albany in court intrigue, and by alleging the decay of the purity of Catholic doctrine as the sole cause of the present national misfortunes, have, at least for the present hour, an irresistible authority over the king, will receive a check. In the meanwhile, however, know that King Robert, hath not only given way to this general warrant for inquisition after heresy but hath confirmed the pope's nomination of henry wardlaw to be archbishop of st andrews and primate of scotland thus yielding to rome those freedoms and immunities of the scottish church which his ancestors from the time of malcolm canmore have so boldly defended his brave fathers would have rather subscribed a covenant with the devil than yielded in such a matter to the pretensions of rome alas and what remedy none old man save in some sudden court change said sir patrick The king is but like a mirror, which, having no light itself, reflects back with equal readiness any which is placed near to it for the time. Now, although the Douglas is banded with Albany, yet the earl is unfavorable to the high claims of those domineering priests, having quarrelled with them about the exactions which his retinue hath raised on the abbot of Arbroath. He will come back again with a high hand, for report says the Earl of March hath fled before him. When he returns we shall have a changed world, for his presence will control Albany, especially as many nobles, and I myself, as I tell you in confidence, are resolved to league with him to defend the general right. Thy exile, therefore, will end with his return to our court. Thou hast but to seek thee some temporary hiding place for that my lord said the glover i can be at no loss since i have just title to the protection of the high highland chief gilchrist macian chief of the clan Quaheli. nay if thou canst take hold of his mantle thou needs no help of any one else neither lowland churchman nor layman finds a free course of justice beyond the highland frontier but then my child noble sir my catherine said the glover let her go with thee man the and cake will keep her white teeth in order the goat's way will make the blood spring to her cheek again which these alarms have banished and even the fair maiden of perth may sleep soft enough on a bed of highland brecken. it is not from such idle respects my lord that i hesitate said the glover Catherine is the daughter of a plain burgher and knows not nicety of food or lodging but the son of macian hath been for many years a guest in my house and i am obliged to say that i have observed him looking at my daughter who is as good as a betrothed bride in a manner that though i cared not for it in this lodging in curfew street would give me some fear of consequences in a highland glen where i have no friend and conachar many the knightly provost replied by a long whistle woe nay in that case i advise thee to send her to the nunnery at elcho where the abbess if i forget not is some relation of yours indeed she said so herself adding that she loved her kinswoman well together with all that belongs to thee simon truly my lord i do believe that the abbess hath so much regard for me that she would willingly receive the trust of my daughter and my whole goods and gear into her sisterhood marry her affection is something of a tenacious character and would be loth to unloose its hold either upon the wench or her talker Woo woo again whistled the knight of kinfounds by the thane's cross man "'But this is an ill-favoured pern to wind. "'Yet it shall never be said the fairest maid in the fair city "'was cooped up in a convent like a cane hen in a cavey, "'and she about to be married to the bold burgess Henry Wind. "'That tale shall not be told while I wear belt and spurs "'and am called provost of Perth. "'But what remede, my lord?' asked the glover. "'We must all take our share of the risk.' "'Come, get you and your daughter presently to horse. "'You shall ride with me, and we'll see who dare gloom at you. "'The summons is not yet served on thee, "'and if they send an apparitor to confounds without a warrant under the king's own hand, "'I make mine a vow, by the red rover's soul, "'that he shall eat his writ, both wax and weather-skin. "'To horse, to horse!' "'And,' addressing Catherine as she entered at the moment, "'you too, my pretty maid.' "'To horse and fear not for your quarters. They thrive in law that trust in charters.' In a minute or two the father and daughter were on horseback, both keeping an arrow's flight before the provost by his direction that they might not seem to be of the same company. They passed the eastern gate in some haste, and rode forward roundly until they were out of sight.' Sir Patrick followed leisurely, but when he was lost to the view of the warders, he spurred his metalled horse, and soon came up with the glover and Catherine, when a conversation ensued, which throws light upon some previous passages of this history. End of section 28